Something about Trump having a brain emergency. American politics, particularly, but they've wrapped themselves Especially if he somehow got some good clips in the next couple years, the man will be a threat to the safety and security of everybody around the world, frankly. Everybody in the world will be endangered by this man, but in particular, his political enemies, because Trump has just come out with a sick statement, one of his sickest yet, where he promises to enact revenge on his political enemies in a very, very perverse way. And we're going to get to it, because Trump does it in the particular weird ways that he often does. But it's rooted in this reality that he wants to take out, he wants to destroy, and frankly, I think he wants to end the lives. He wants his supporters to kill him. We know the system can make anyone on Medicare feel captive. The doctor is running a new system in place. Have a seat. We believe it's time to break free from how it's always been. It's time to be seen, heard, and surrounded by a doctor-led care team. We are transferring. Shit. What happened? Um... Okay, it's time for my just TED Talk. Somehow lost it. Oh. They're breaking them. There's something um that was released four hours ago. My just touch. Terrified and desperate three hours ago. Trump lawyers make desperate move in response to bad news from Fulton County. Terrified and desperate. Special counsel Jack Smith subpoenaed six Ivanka hours Trump ago. and Jared Kushner as his criminal investigation into Donald Trump's 2020 criminal election interference heats up. And the criminal investigation is heating up indeed. Jack Smith is so not is he, hesitating yeah, and just over. filed a motion to well, compel the testimony of former Vice President Mike Pence following Donald Trump's baseless assertion of executive privilege and Pence's assertion of speech and debate clause immunity. Then let's turn to Arizona, where it was revealed this week by the new Democratic Attorney General Chris Mays that her predecessor, Republican Attorney General Mark Branovich, that he concealed a report that his office prepared after 10,000 hours of investigatory work showing that there was absolutely no evidence of election fraud in Arizona. This while Branovich was out there on the Steve Bannon show and others spreading conspiracy theories about the 2020 election so, yeah, for Donald Trump. Look, I think Branovich needs to be disbarred. We'll talk yeah. about it on this episode. Meanwhile, a federal judge in Washington, D.C. ordered Donald Trump to sit for a deposition in the Peter Strzok wrongful termination lawsuit in federal court in Washington, D.C. Um, and this is a wrongful termination that was lawsuit that was filed against the FBI. Let's talk about those implications. And what is going on in Fulton County 
Earlier this week, the foreperson of the special grand jury, Emily Kors, gave an unexpected and, let's just call it questionable, media tour, although later in the week, the presiding judge, Robert McBurney, said there was no problem with it. Let's discuss the implications of this and just generally what's going on in Fulton County, where things looked very organized, things looked very much on the tracks where they were supposed to be headed. Um, and there does look to be some disorganization there. And you compare that to the, frankly, organization of special counsel Jack Smith's work. So let's talk about that all. But Michael Popak, how are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm on the road again. That's people on Wednesday. I was in Atlanta, not because of the special purpose grand juror going on network television because I was there. And now I'm in Miami, although you can't tell from the curtain behind me. Listen, I love all of our segments today, like children, like I don't have any favorites, but what the actual F is going on in Fulton County, we'll get there. We will get there indeed. For all of our audio listeners only, Popak is rocking those original controversial uh, glasses that really split the legal AF community. Um, but he's been doing some variations. We're back to those original large black glasses. And we'll talk about that, too, maybe later in the show. But let's get right into the legal news. Special counsel Jack Smith subpoena of Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, of course, both testified before the January 6th committee. Look, Ivanka Trump was there during the insurrection. She was there in the White House when Donald Trump was making phone calls to former Vice President Pence and threatening him and saying, don't count the votes, don't count the electoral votes, throw it to the state legislatures. And Pence refused to do that, begrudgingly refused to do that, because I think Pence, if he could try to figure out a way to break the law, would have tried to do that. And we see what a spineless coward he is right now. And Ivanka was also at the ellipse. We see her in the video there while the Trump family was literally dancing as our uh, democracy uh, was being threatened and as a free and fair election was trying to be contested through a violent coup. And Jared Kushner flew back from the Middle East where he was cutting personal deals for himself likely including the $2 billion he received from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund after Donald Trump left office, even though Kushner doesn't manage money. He's now a money manager and got a $2 billion check from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Look, they both um, testified before the January 6th committee. So one of the questions is, is there going to be new information that special counsel Jack Smith is focused on here? Um, and I think the answer is yes. And I'll give you my take, and then I want to hear yours, Popak. I think that special counsel Jack Smith is far more interested as well in the financial crimes that Donald Trump committed in addition to the actual violent insurrection, in addition to the fake elector scheme, in addition to the threats that Donald Trump had made um, to state and local election officials. And so we know, for example, that one of the focuses of special counsel Jack Smith's investigation is on potential money laundering and campaign finance violations and Donald Trump potentially creating, and it looks like he did create these uh, LLCs that he had individuals in his inner circle uh, control where money would be routed to that LLC so that Donald Trump's committees 
uh, whether it's his political action groups or other campaign committees, would just report, we now know the number to be close to $800 million that was just being sent to this LLCs, but you wouldn't know who the end recipients were. So I think special counsel Jack Smith's going to be focused um, far more on the financial crimes here. And also, let's not forget, there's not only a criminal grand jury about election interference, there is a criminal grand jury as well about Donald Trump's theft of uh, government records, thousands of government records, including sensitive compartmented information. And while at first blush, they may seem to be unrelated, I think they're inextricably intertwined because one of the reasons Donald Trump wanted to and needed to stay in power such that he needed a violent coup was he was doing the bidding of foreign powers. And when he left, I think it was his intent to continue to do the bidding of foreign powers and our enemies. And we know special counsel Jack Smith has been asking lots of witnesses about Donald Trump's relationships with foreign governments and foreign leaders. And could he have been using these documents? I think he was very transactionally in order to exchange favors and get money from these various uh, foreign entities. And as we know, for example, the Saudis having golf tournaments at Trump golf courses while Donald Trump spreads conspiracies about September 11th. I mean, how heinous and despicable uh, can you be there? And really, these foreign interests, our foreign enemies, are Donald Trump's only way of making money these days. And so, of course, Donald Trump, who we know is a complete and utter treasonous traitor, would do that. But I want to get your take, Popak, about special counsel Jack Smith's subpoena here. What do you think the implications are? Do you think there'll be some bombshells or you think it's just going to be a rehash of what the January 6th committee did? Yeah, well, well let's start with it this way. The fact that Ivanka, Mike Pence and... Jared are being dragged, kicking and screaming into grand juries. We don't know exactly which ones yet. You've identified at least three of them. For me, it means that we're at the beginning of the end of the prosecutions, not the end of the beginning. You don't bring in these apex people at the very top. In the very, you can't get any more inner circle than blood relations and in-law relations for Donald Trump. There's nobody closer to him, probably even than his own wife, than Ivanka. And the fact that she's been dragged, is going to be dragged in, we're going to see if there's going to be an attempted assertion of executive privilege. Although I would argue that it's been waived, because Donald Trump, for whatever reason, strategically, or he's a moron, did not assert executive privilege when they testified about many of these same topics in front of the Gen 6 committee. So I'm not sure he's going to be able to now, like a shield and a sword, you know, I think if you have executive privilege, you need to consistently enforce it and apply it. And if you don't, you don't. And I, I think he's sort of um, not able to assert that privilege. And of course, if he tries to assert the privilege, the current holder of the privilege, the current occupant of the Oval Office, Joe Biden, will waive it. And so that will fall by the wayside. Which of the many grand juries, the Jan 6, the election interference, the money laundering slash uh, campaign fundraising grift the, and the related issues that you identified, Ben, <clears throat> about the connections between Donald Trump and foreign powers, the Mar-a-Lago, as you said, transactional use of documents. I don't know yet, but we do know from the Jan 6 committee and from her other statements, including the video that the Jan 6 committee took special relish in running over and over again to stick it to Donald Trump, was, you know, Ivanka 
was a not only a fly in the wall, but an active participant in some main events in this in all of these prosecutions. She's in the room, in the dining room, for almost the three hours during the dereliction of duty. She's there when when he calls, her father calls Mike Pence and uses the P word and encourages him to overthrow the will of the people and not certify the election. She's there for, <clears throat> pardon me, for all of that. Um, she sided with Bill Barr, who called all fraud allegations that Donald Trump was hanging his hat on bullshit. I'm not paraphrasing, that's his words. She agreed with him. To the extent that either this is a grand theater piece arranged by the Trump family, led by Donald Trump, or Donald Trump has consistently attacked Ivanka, um, leading to her testimony. Because when she sided with Bill Barr, he immediately went on Twitter or whatever he, whatever social media platform he was on at that moment and said, basically, she's an idiot. She's, she hasn't been in the inner circle for a long, long time. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And she was just being kind or friendly to an old man and Bill Barr who lost it. You know, so he's gone out of his way to attack her and Jared when she said, I'm not helping. Because I, I think they hoped by, by leaving their life, their cushy life, their royalty life in New York and relocating to relative anonymity in Miami on, on uh, an Indian Creek, you know, the billionaire row that she lives on with her husband, building, building a house there and leaving all of her friends and her synagogue behind and her social relationships and charitable relationships and trying to start again in Miami with, uh, you know, the, the billions of dollars of grift her family has accumulated. I'm sure they hope by also not helping the current campaign, they would sort of lower the temperature on them, lower the target on them. But that's that's not going to happen. Like, oh, I hope they don't remember us. We're down here in, in Florida. And she's been very public in trying to separate herself in a way. We've interpreted this in the past in the New York attorney general suit, for instance, on the $250 million civil fraud case. She found a way to have Letitia James agree not to have her as subject to financial monitoring as the rest of the family. Eric on Jr., Donald you know, uh, Weisselberg, the rest, because, you know, she convinced the attorney general that she's really out of the business, you know, sort of like Michael Corleone when he moved to uh, moved out west to California, you know, to get legitimate after he left the Corleone family business in New York. You know, Ivanka is trying to convince people that she's gone legit now in Miami and doesn't have those ties. He attacked her even then. He, he said when she said, I'm not going to help his campaign when that reporting came out. You know, Donald Trump got on on his Twitter, whatever feed and said she wasn't asked. In other words, she didn't quit. You know, I fired her. You know, so there's a there is a tension going on here, whether whether true or made up um, by the by the parties. We don't know that yet. Um, but she's in harm's way right now because she's not going to be able to. That executive privilege is going to fall away quickly. She is going to sit in a chair and have to answer questions before prosecutors working for Jack Smith in one of three or four grand juries. We don't know exactly which yet. We know there's going to, we know the MO here. We know the blueprint. There's going to be a skirmish over the executive privilege assertion that's going to go currently to Beryl Howell, the chief judge of the court in D.C. Circuit. We're going to talk about her a little bit later as well in the segment that we're going to do about, about Pence and others. And then it's she's going to rule either, either because Biden has dropped the executive privilege or because there is no executive privilege. It's been waived in the past by Donald Trump. And then she's going to you know either have to take it to the D.C. Court of Appeals and then a fast track to the Supreme Court. But it's not like she's the vice president. 
you know, the fact that she, once executive privilege is stripped away from her, which is going to be quickly, she's going to have to testify about these things. And you could be right, Ben. I'm, I, I'm not pushing back much on your financial crimes analysis. Certainly, if somebody were to know about that, the person who at the relevant time periods was front and center in helping to run those businesses. She was very public about it, about, you know, I'm in control. I'm in charge now. I'm in the, I have the controls. And then Jared's got his own unique problems as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. You know, he tried to separate very quickly, was in Saudi Arabia raising money on Jan 6, because he saw, apparently he saw his father-in-law spiraling down the drain and out of control with all these crazy theories and wanted to get away from the bomb blast as quickly as possible. So he's been trying even earlier than, than uh, Ivanka to get as far away from a, a destructive um, Donald Trump or to paraphrase Fox News and Tucker Carlson that's come out in the Fox files. Donald Trump is a destroyer and we can't let him destroy us. And Ivanka and Jared saw that early on. But now we're going to have to pay the price and testify before all these things. So we'll do that. Are we going to do uh, Pence next? Uh, we're going to do Pence. We're going to do Pence yeah. next. But you got Kushner, one of the arsonists out in Saudi Arabia, basically looking for new tools to kind of come back here and to further cause damage to our great democracy. What a fascist traitor that piece of crap is. But I digress. Let's talk about another, though, I think coward right here, and this is Mike Pence. And look, do you give Mike Pence some credit for the fact that he didn't support the overthrow of our democracy? Well, that's a pretty freaking low bar right there to give someone a pat on the back. Kudos, Pence, you followed the Constitution and you didn't commit multiple felonies, including seditious conspiracy and treason. Certainly not a hero. And I would argue, frankly, a completely spineless coward who enabled Donald Trump throughout and frankly wanted to figure out a way how he could support Donald Trump's coup, but based purely on self-preservation, um, ultimately didn't. You know, we learn more about his conversations with Dan Quayle, for example, where over and over Pence asked if there was anything he could do. You, you have, you, and then Quayle would be like, you have no flexibility on this, none, zero, forget it, just shut up, put it, put it away, Quayle told him. Pence pressed again, quote, you don't know the position I'm in. You don't know the position I'm in, Dan Quayle. You know, and, and, and you remember Quayle, like that was those were the days where someone's reputation in political office would be damaged if you didn't spell potato correctly. You know, now you have Republicans out there just calling for national divorce and secession, and that's platformed. I mean, Quayle's reputation literally shut down on the basis of not spelling potato correctly. Um, but let's go into uh, Pence. We know that Pence was served with a subpoena um, to testify before the criminal grand jury and to produce documents within the past uh, two weeks. We broke that news here uh, on the Midas Touch Network. And then the week after that, Pence stated, well, you know what? I really need to be treated like I'm a senator. Because, you see, my ceremonial roles under Article One of the Constitution, as the president of the Senate, I preside over certain things, like the counting of the electoral votes on January 6th. So, even though I'm an executive branch official, let's just call me senator, okay? 
And, you know, there's that thing called the speech and debate clause, which protects uh, or provides immunity for members of the House of Representatives and senators for statements that they make on the House floor, which has been interpreted by the United States Supreme Court case, Gravel, to basically encompass all legitimate legislative activities. So basically, because of my ceremonial role as president of the Senate, I view that as a legitimate legislative role, and therefore everything that's related to the January 6th insurrection, I should not have to testify about. Not because of executive privilege or anything like that, because my role as a president, as the president of the Senate. So that was his argument. Fast forward a little bit to this past week. Donald Trump then also asserts the executive privilege, which to me actually may undercut the speech and debate clause claim that he was president of the Senate. If you're trying to assert both, I would think that perhaps in a snarky footnote, the Department of Justice could put that out in the motion to compel. Well, on the one hand, you have Trump claiming executive privilege, which, by the way, the Biden administration doesn't recognize, and which you, Judge Beryl Howell, the presiding judge who's going to make this decision, have consistently ruled against Donald Trump's assertion of executive privilege when he's tried to make it with people like Pat Cipollone, the former top White House lawyer, Patrick Feldman, who is Cipollone's top deputy, Mark Short, Pence's former chief of staff, and Greg Jacobs, uh, Pence's former uh, general counsel. Um, I think you could do a snarky footnote there, uh, Popak, but um, Special Counsel Jack Smith isn't playing around here because he immediately filed a motion to compel, and it is what it sounds like. Compel ends to stop being a spineless coward who is not helping our democracy and have him testify. And so how do you do that? You file a motion with the presiding judge, Judge Beryl Howell, who presides over uh, the criminal grand juries, all of the criminal grand juries in Washington, D.C. Her term is set to expire on March 17th, but she's held this this role for some years. So any criminal grand jury, and because these are criminal grand juries that exist, the ones um, investigating Trump's criminal conduct. She's the decision maker there. Um, All of her previous rulings have mostly all been in the favor of the Department of Justice. And here, Jack Smith is saying, look, compel Pence to sit before the grand jury. Ultimately, Pence can appeal to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, um, and he could appeal ultimately to the United States uh, Supreme Court. But Pence, um, you know, first, the first layer of decisions going to go with uh, Judge Beryl Howell there. And before I pass it to you, Popak, I mean, I think here is the arguments that I think I make in this order. One, um, no executive privilege, Judge Beryl Howell, look at what you've ruled previously with Cipollone and Philbin and Short and Jacobs. Former presidents don't get to assert it. Sorry, uh, Biden hasn't asserted it. And there's a compelling need in any way. Let's dispose very easily of the executive privilege. You move over to the speech and debate clause immunity. First off, Pence isn't entitled to it. He was a vice president. He's not a senator. The speech and debate clause clearly just refers to um, uh, members of Congress, senators and members of the House of Representatives. He is neither. In any event, even if you claim that he has some level of speech and debate clause claim, it should only be in the moment when he is acting in that ceremonial role. And here we are looking for all of this other information leading up to the insurrection, 
the day of the insurrection, when he was not doing a ceremonial role, what he heard and what he observed. And then my third argument is also is that we know that the speech and debate clause also does not apply to things that are not legitimate legislative activity. And you observing people overthrowing democracy is not legitimate legislative activity. And there we can think about when Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, tried to assert speech and debate clause immunity in a later topic we're going to talk about, which is Fawny Willis's criminal uh, investigation before the special grand jury in Fulton County, where Graham asserted speech and debate clause immunity, and the district court, the Ninth Circuit, and ultimately the Supreme Court basically said, look, there may be areas that are legitimate legislative activity, but when you gave, um, when you made these comments um, to uh, the Secretary of State and to others, you were not engaged in legitimate legislative activity. You were extorting uh, that that could be, you know, viewed as that was certainly not legitimate legislative activity and statements to the press are not legitimate legislative activity. So, Popak, what do you think? All right. Let me see what I could advance here as we covered a lot of ground on that one. First of all, let's start with the lawyer that represented Pence when he had to make all decisions about besides getting advice from Dan Quayle. Greg Jacobs brought in J. Michael Luddig, a conservative, well-respected, now-retired federal judge, often referred to as the father of the Supreme Court modern because many of the people that served there came through as clerks of Luddig, and he has close relationships with people on the Supreme Court. He just published a guest essay in the New York Times just the other day. It's under the title, A Conservative Case for Avoiding a Repeat of January 6th. But within it, he is taking his former client, Mike Pence to task, who he told in no uncertain terms, just as just as Quayle said, but this is with the imprimatur of being a federal judge, former federal judge, well respected. You don't have any powers here, Mike. You can't you can't do what Trump is asking you to do. You're ceremonial. You watch envelopes being opened. You bang a gavel and you declare a winner. And that's it. And this other fake elector stuff and all the other things you're being asked to do, you cannot do. And it's public from the Jan 6 committee testimony through Greg Jacobs and others that uh, Pence relied on that advice in not um, helping to overthrow America. Now, that same uh, judge slash lawyer is taking Pence to task in public. He even says one of the reasons he wrote the guest essay is to put pressure on Pence to realize that he this Hail Mary defense of speech and debate or executive privilege that he is putting up, and this is in, what, in Luddick's word, Hail Mary pass, is going to be shredded really, really quickly. And since you're running for office or you want to run for office as the president of the United States, if you think you're going to time this thing out and push it so far off into the future that you won't have to be dragged into the grand jury until well after like the primaries, that's not going to work because this is on a fast track. First stop on the train is, as you said, Ben, if it happens in March, which it will, is Beryl Howell. Beryl Howell, who the Department of Justice is batting like 950 in front of. These are beyond Hall of Fame numbers in winning every time. So Beryl Howell, prediction, she's going to rule against Mike Pence. Trump is going to assert the executive privilege as he has. She's going to analyze it. And the Department of Justice is in an interesting position. And they're being very nuanced in the executive privilege issue. But We'll focus on that for a moment. In some cases, and we're going to talk about it when we get to Strzok and Page and the former FBI uh, people that were also in a relationship who are suing to get their jobs back, 
because they were fired by the FBI under Trump because they were, you know, anti-Trump in private. There, the Department of Justice is actually, in a way, on the side of Donald Trump, but on the side of executive privilege. And there, Amy Berman Jackson, we're going to talk about her later, she wants to hear what Joe Biden, current holder of the executive privilege, has to say about that. So it's not that the Department of Justice is always stripping away executive privilege. Sometimes, as we've said, you know, politics and law make strange bedfellows. Sometimes it's sort of they're on that side of the Trump side because they have broader historical um, considerations to make when they're doing their um, their their litigating in the courtroom. But here it's clear. Mike, uh, Mike Smith, I made a new person. Um, Jack Smith's going after Pence. It's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. It's going to get in front of Beryl Howell. It'll probably be one of her last things that she does before new judge Jeb Boesberg takes over, also a Democratic appointee. So we, we shouldn't have too much fear about that he's going to throw over the apple cart that's been established so delicately by Beryl Howell in precedent over the last year and a half or two years. So that's looking pretty good. If he doesn't like the result there, he can take it up to the D.C. Court of Appeals. We'll have to see the panel. Usually it skews Democrat. Could get, could get one Trumper or Bush person on there or so, hopefully. And then it goes to a Supreme Court, which, although has been not where we want it to be, that's an understatement in terms of its rulings on most major issues. When it comes to presidential papers, politics, executive privilege, testimony, Jan 6, it looks like we got the votes to force Pence to testify, but we're going to have to watch this closely. But I agree with you. This whole speech and debate thing, Maybe it covers, you know, because you can have overlapping privileges and then kind of seams and gaps where there is no privilege over a timeline of events. So in other words, there may be a little bit of privilege that's properly asserted over the day he stood on Jan 6 or things around him um, on the floor of the of the Senate presiding over the ceremonial ministerial fashion only the opening of the envelopes and the ballots and the counting by state. Maybe if there was like a conversation he had, if he like put his hand over the microphone, if he talked to some legislators there about process, if he was getting some consultation about his role at the time, maybe it's covered. Maybe. But other things like let's talk about you getting a phone call from Donald Trump where he called you a pussy unless you because you weren't you weren't or you didn't have the balls because you weren't willing to to pull the, the trigger on his yeah. fake fake his fake elector scam. What's that covered by? You're saying and that is part of your role as the president of the Senate is to be called that, the P word by the president. Right. So that's out. And so maybe that's executive privilege, that interaction between the two of them. Not. And if there was an attorney in the room, maybe attorney client privilege. But they're going to have to, just as she's always done, just as we have a lot of confidence in her abilities to do, Errol Howell will pick through. Just as the Northern District of Georgia did, which is now 11th Circuit precedent affirmed by the U.S. Supreme Court for under the, the case of Lindsey Graham, as you mentioned, about when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. He is going to have to testify. It's going to be about many of the events. Of the, I mean, the part about why didn't you get into the things that came up in Gen 6? Why didn't you get into the car and get whisked away from the Capitol where the Secret Service tried to duck your head into a moving vehicle, you know, into a moving car. going to say? It was just me doing my legitimate role as the president of the Senate, all presidents that of the doesn't, Senate. Right, so that doesn't work. These are the examples that you and I are providing to show when there are some events <clears throat> that are important, that are covered, not covered, may be covered, may be waived, and overarching the criminal investigation of obstruction of justice, the criminal case against Donald Trump, 
will likely overcome many of the assertions of these privileges. They're not absolute. They're always balanced against the need of the justice system to get to the bottom of things. We've seen it time and time again by federal judges with, with Eastman, with the crime fraud exception ripping away attorney-client privilege, with executive privilege being dropped by, by Biden when asked. We're going, you know, this is the message, I believe, that the conservative J. Michael Luddick was trying to send through the New York Times uh, guest essay just a, a day or so ago to his former client. You're going to lose this, and you're going to look terrible in history along the way. And if you think you'll be able to delay it long enough, this Hail Mary pass long enough, in order so it doesn't impact your presidential ambition, you are wrong. Step up, be the patriot. Because Luddick was the first one to come out and say, he early on, he should be given a lot of credit, my client, for doing the right thing. Yeah, that's not what he's saying now in the essay. And I think that Luddig really has two audiences that he was trying to reach there. The first audience was an audience of one in Pence. The other audience was an audience of the few, which are the judges who are going to be hearing Pence's assertion of speech and debate clause immunity. And many of these judges work for Luddig, and he wants them to know as well what Pence is saying is complete and utter BS right here. And with all of this news of uh, the criminal investigation heating up by Jack Smith, Donald Trump is just completely losing his mind. This is what he posted earlier in the day on his social media platform. He goes, the DOJ didn't need a search warrant for my home, but they did need it for Biden, who has not been forthcoming had no rights to declassify, had no security, all in caps, in many different locations, even Chinatown. He won't give the 1,850 boxes of documents stored in Delaware. Why not? I have done everything correctly under the Presidential Records Act. He didn't. As president, I had the absolute right to declassify, not Biden. Unfair and unequal treatment under the law. Fourth Amendment violation and more. You don't get more treasonous and traitorous and, and, and just have more disinformation in a single post than that. And he injects this disinformation into the cult followers who listen to him each and every day. And it's parroted on Fox and all these other right wing treasonous networks out there. When he goes, the DOJ didn't need a search warrant for my home. You mean after essentially two years of you lying and having lawyers submit fake declarations, false fraudulent declarations saying everything was returned when it and was moving not. and moving the boxes around. He goes, but they did need it for Biden, who has not been forthcoming. You mean the person who said that you can voluntarily search all of my properties, that you don't need a search warrant? Whereas Trump said, I'm not going to let you search. And Biden said, search all of my properties. And by the way, Pence said the same thing, search all of my properties. And then he goes, even Chinatown, he has to throw in some like bizarre racist conspiracy theory and, and, and it puts Chinatown, you know. In, what is, what in, is that one, Ben? What is the, well, I don't get the Chinatown reference. What is that? I, I don't get it. Right. Okay. <laughs> He's made some conspiracy theory about uh, records uh, before in the George H.W. Bush administration that it was held in a location, in a building 
that was later rented out by the National Archives that once had a Chinese restaurant in it. So I don't know. I don't know <laughs> okay. if that's what in his, you know, in his in his mind. And the building also once had a bowling alley. So the one thing he was saying is they kept it in a Chinese restaurant and bowling alley. But but no, it's 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 like. Um, you know, it's like a third, a petulant third grader with racist parents, you know, who then goes yeah. into school and just starts saying things. And you're like, where did you get that, Jimmy? You know, but this is a but this is a former former it, president. It, it's sick. I mean, it's it's disgusting what he you know, what he's saying. And then when he goes, I did everything right under the president's record. No, you, you literally did everything wrong. And he took the advice of Tom Fitton, who's not even a lawyer. Um, and who, and you believe there's no crimes when a magistrate judge found that there was probable cause of espionage act violations, obstruction of justice, concealment and mutilation. And then when you go, I had the absolute right to declassify. First off, you didn't declassify. There's a process of declassification. I've argued that if you did declassify these telepathically, as you said, it makes it worse because you didn't go through a process and now you've placed our troops and our national security and foreign assets at risk, many who may have been killed by you telepathically declassifying things and not telling the national security advisor, Robert O'Brien at the time. Um, but, but setting that aside, the crimes here have nothing to do with classification. They have to deal with you stealing things that don't belong to you because you're not the freaking president. Popak, your reaction. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and I got one, one comment on that from a slightly different angle, but kind of right, consistent with what you're talking about. Let's talk about it from a practitioner standpoint, you and me. I will tell you from experience what happens when you continue to poke the prosecutors and taunt them, which is what this is the equivalent of, this constant taunting of the prosecutors in tweets and social media only pisses them off, makes them focus more on their job, and makes them want to bring you down harder and faster. Jack Smith has eyes. His people know about the same social media tweets that you and I just talked about. And all it does when he taunts them and pokes the bear, and I've had situations where I've had, I lost this, a little bit of control of a client who decided to like, not through social media, but otherwise take on the prosecutor. And all it did was so poison the discussions with the prosecutor that um, we almost couldn't get them to to engage in any kind of discussions that were beneficial to the, to the client at all because of what they've done. And that's what's happening here. It's not that they're immune to all of these things. It's that they read them and say, you know what, now I'm going to really, I mean, they were already connecting the dots. They were already putting the links of the chain together for the improper, illegal, moving of documents from place to place under video surveillance after promises and representations were met to the Department of Justice that there would be no movement of the boxes from the, as long as we're talking about Chinese restaurants and bowling alleys, from the pool hall, uh, from the pool room of his Mar-a-Lago in which everyone had access who were ever guests at Mar-a-Lago from the, from the ballroom and from the pool area, including that Chinese national woman who wandered around at the very same time the documents were supposedly secured in an unlocked room and Lord knows what could have happened. That's why he got an ex the execution of a search warrant in an unprecedented, because his behavior is unprecedented. The attorney to back, as you said, along the two-year timeline, at any time along the way, and hadn't misled with Christina Bob's bullshit certificate, and then 
we're even finding today the 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 uh, the aide, the female aide who is yet to be identified, with the laptop, with the documents that were that were loaded up because somebody that was his chief of staff, post elect post uh, uh, leaving office, told her to do it. This is still going on. They're still finding boxes of documents because of his sloppy, careless, treasonous approach to our national security secrets. The presidency was a joke for Donald Trump while he was in office, and it's a bigger joke now that he's left. And until he's taken to task, and until the law is applied equally to him, which it, it is in terms of the ongoing grand juries, I know we all, look, we all want the indictment. Nobody in America or around the world wants a show today, to you and me, to be devoted to talking about an indictment of Donald Trump somewhere in America more than you and me. And, it, and, and we still have reasonable confidence that somewhere it's going to happen. We'll talk about Fawdy Willis in a little bit. Well, uh, I'm, but somewhere I, 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 it'll happen. Well, I'm sure that you and I are tied with about 90 million other uh, Americans who can vote now about that same desire. So I'll say it's a 90 million person tie. We've got a lot to discuss here on the Midas Touch Network, including how the former Republican Attorney General of Arizona tried to cover up and did cover up until a new Attorney General came in. Uh, a report prepared by the office showing no election fraud in Arizona in order to help the treasonous traitor, Donald Trump. I want to talk about how a federal judge has ordered Donald Trump to sit for a deposition in the Peter Strzok wrongful termination lawsuit. And I also want to talk about what in the world is going on in Fulton County with the foreperson speaking out, with the presiding judge saying it's okay, with Phony Willis saying charges are imminent, but imminent to me usually means now like about to happen so what is going on there popak and i will give you our thoughts but first a word from our sponsors now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner zbiotics you ever skip a workout because of drinks the night before well me too if you're committed to your healthy routine this year you need zbiotics zbiotics free alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic it was invented by phd scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking so here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics, it produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it the most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. The first time I tried Zbiotics was on vacation with my wife. You know, as instructed, I drank a bottle of Zbiotics before any alcohol, and I was amazed at how good I felt the next day. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com/legalaf to get 15% off your first order when you use legalaf at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head to zbiotics.com slash LegalAF and use code LegalAF at checkout for 15% off.
hey, I didn't see you there. Look, everyone knows how annoying cheap razors are. The cuts, the irritation, the frustration. And don't get me started with subscription razor services, the headaches that those can cause. That's why you gotta meet Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the ISS. That's the International Space Station and Mars Rover. And now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. Razor blades, they're like diving boards. The longer the board, the more wobble. The more wobble, the more nicks, cuts, and scrapes. A bad shave, it isn't a blade problem. It's an extension problem. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just .0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. It gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. The Henson Razor works with standard dual-edge blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefits of new-school tech. Once you own a Henson razor, it's only about 3 to $5 per year to replace the blades. My first shave with the Henson razor was incredibly refreshing. The design is sleek and the durability is top-notch. The Henson razor is truly so much better than your run-of-the-mill quote-unquote traditional razor brand. And the affordability factor is absolutely game-changing. No more wasting your money on expensive blades. With Henson Shaving, you can get a year of blades for just $5. Okay, so this is what you have to do. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit HensonShaving.com slash LegalAF to pick up the razor for you and use our code LegalAF and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G.com slash LegalAF and use code LegalAF. And now back to the video. And welcome back to the Legal AF Show. I'm Ben Micellis and Michael Popak. A lot to discuss. We've got three important topics that we want to make sure we hit. The first one is how the former Attorney General Republican, Mark Bronovich, uh, covered up a report that their office prepared um, that shows that there was no election fraud in Arizona and covered it up for Donald Trump. Then I want to talk about how a federal judge in Washington, D.C. ordered Trump to sit for deposition in the Peter Strzok wrongful termination lawsuit. Then we got to talk about what in the world is going on in Fulton County with the four-person speaking out to the media, the presiding judge saying it's okay. Popak and I will break it down. But Popak, I've been doing a lot of talking on this episode, and I see that in the chat people are saying, let, let Popak speak a little more. So let me throw this one to you, Popak, which is Chris Mays, the new attorney general, Democrat, comes into office in January. She's aware that a predecessor, a Republican, talked about doing this investigation talked about preparing this report about whether or not there was election fraud. We all know that this guy, Branovich, this Republican attorney general, had gone on the Bannon show, had done other right-wing networks, 
and had said very negative things about the Arizona election process. And Chris Mays, the new attorney general, wanted to get to the bottom of it. Was Bronovich lying to the public? Did he prepare a report that he hid? Michael Popak, what happened here? Yes, he did. <laughs> and this should come as no surprise. You and I have reported. Some people might be like rubbing their eyes and, and, and poking at their ears because they might be like, didn't we already learn this already? You learned something similar. We talked a couple of weeks ago about a Trump paid for and sponsored report that looked at Arizona and other battleground states for which Trump paid $600,000 to Berkeley Research Group. And they found that there was zero fraud on many of the same grounds, such as dead voters voting, no, people voting out of precinct, maybe a couple of times, not enough to change, hundreds of thousands or millions of votes in favor of Joe Biden, you know, software corrupted to, to flip votes to Biden from Trump, no. And we, are, we talked about that at length. And, and the reason that was important at that time, because that was a direct link to Donald Trump and his criminal mind or mens rea, because the, there was a presentation of the fact that none of what you've, none of your working theories, Mr. President, are borne out in our detailed research that you've paid for. And Mark Meadows was in the room for that discussion with Donald Trump. Here, we have what we always thought, which was Cyber Ninjas was full of, you know, poopy. Cyber ninjas who, during the what you and I used to jokingly refer to a year and a half ago as the fraudit in Arizona, hired by the Republicans of the Arizona legislature to do some sort of, you know, fraud investigation related to the election, using not the attorney general of the state's special investigation section and an election integrity unit, which is what a state would use, but hiring these bozos out of Florida who had never done a... Um, election investigation in their life before. No competitive bidding. They were just like, oh, we like your name, Cyber Ninjas, you're in. And Cyber Ninjas comes in and and throws up all of these things that were that we reported along the way that, huh? Like bamboo on Korean Korean ballots that were brought in, a hundred thousand of them with Biden's name printed on them in favor of voting for Biden and dead people voting and all this other stuff that we've talked about. It turns out even Cyber Ninjas found out that there was irregularities, but they actually figured out that there were more votes for Biden, not not less when they finally did their math. That's Cyber Ninjas. This is now the attorney general Republican who does on his own, he, he um, commissions, and we got the report up there now, he commissions the special investigation section of the criminal division of the, of the Office of Attorney General, what a great sounding name, and a chief special agent who prepares this report, which is issued in September of 2000 and, uh, 2022, which we never hear about, this 11-page report, in which they basically methodically went through every lead every report, including Cyber Ninjas, and they concluded that there was absolutely no evidence. In fact, everything that Cyber Ninjas, and I'm paraphrasing, although Salty may be able to find the quote, everything that, that, that Cyber Ninjas said was inaccurate and false, including, so they went through the dead voter issue. First, they found that Cyber Ninjas relied on a public database that is, is historically notoriously inaccurate and that nobody in the public world or in the investigative world uses, and that was their basis. They found that they're out, of, out of the hundreds of thousands or millions, and, and to remind people, this is the same state as Cary Lake. This is the same state that Ben has talked about on Hot Takes and we've talked about on, on uh, Legal AF, that there was voter fraud. 
Okay, this is the attorney general of the state Republican and his department independently, credibly writing. And this is what, Ben, out of the hundreds of thousands of dead people voting, do you know how many total they found in this report? How many? Zero. Of the uh, people double voting, again, Carrie Lake's talking point, hundreds of thousands, millions of people double voting, guess how many they have found? Uh, one. 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 And this is a state where Biden won no, by I'm over cheating. 10. I see it coming up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, this is a state where, where Biden won by over 10,000 votes. One. Okay. Again, back to what you and I have said in the past. It's not that there's no election fraud, if you want to call some of these things fraud, state by state, nationally. There always is. It's just never enough to and overcome. Popeye, just one more thing. All the double voting is usually always by the Republicans who triple and triple. <laughs> Whenever you find out who they are, they're always right. they're always right. Trump back. But there was stuff. one, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I didn't pay attention in grammar school math, but one is less than 10,000. Um, they also said that, um, and, and Cyber Ninjas wasn't the only one. There were other, these other BS groups that popped up, Fair Election Integrity, they're all made up names, these, you know, garage band groups that pop up. They went through every one of them and found nothing. They said there were 450 or more open investigations that led to, I believe, let me get the number right, 22 prosecutions for anything related to election integrity. 22. Okay, Trump had to come up with 10,000 in order to win the presidency. 22 does not do it. And so what does this Republican do? This is where elections have consequences. He buried the report because it wasn't helpful to their narrative. It wasn't helpful to their lies to the American people. It wasn't helpful to the fundraising because he was running for Senate. Brodovich ran unsuccessfully for Senate in Arizona. And so he didn't want this millstone around his neck hung around him. So he buried it. But he should have thought ahead that if he lost, because he, he, it was an open seat for the attorney general because he ran for Senate in the open seat. The Democrat won. Democrats won a lot of things in Arizona, including the governorship. And so the first thing the guy did, the, the woman did that became the attorney general was like, oh, look at this nice report. Let me publicly disclose it. Sunshine, disinfectant uh, doctrine by Ben Mysalis. Let me bring it out to the world. And here it is. So combined with Berkeley Research Group reporting directly to Donald Trump, for which he paid $600,000, telling him there's no Arizona fraud. Arizona concluding there's no Arizona fraud. And if anything, the, the, the Biden got more votes after the audit than before the audit. Can we now, once and for all, Twitterverse, not our people, not our followers, lay to rest the argument that there was voter fraud anywhere in Arizona? Yet while you and I are talking about this, the big lie, which is the big lie that Joe Biden only won through fraud, is going strong in places like Michigan, where the GOP has been completely taken over by election deniers. So this is still a this is the problem that Luddick talks about in his guest essay, that we are letting the we the Republicans are allowing their entire narrative and their entire tug of war of who they are as a party to be pulled completely over to QAnon election deniers, which means they are doomed to failure in terms of future electoral success at a national level. Do you hear me, uh, DeSantis, or anybody else that falls into that plot? Popak, should Mark Bronovich lose his legal license for what he did here? I'll tell you, I believe that 
he should. A number of very prominent lawyers in Arizona have filed uh, letters with the state bar to disbar him as a lawyer. He's acting in capacity as a lawyer, as an attorney general. You have certain duties of candor. You still have duties of zealous representation. You have to be truthful and honest. Um, you can't, like, commit fraud. Uh, and he had obligations, and I think it was a fiduciary to the public in that position. And it wasn't just that he concealed the report. It was that he then went on shows like Bannon and said, well, we all know what happened in 2020. And then he made other statements basically calling out the election process as being completely dysfunctional. Meanwhile, he had this report. One final point I'll make before getting your thought on whether he should be disbarred is that, look, Branovich knew this sooner also. I mean, he knew it right away. And I think he dragged out the preparation of this report until the last possible moment anyway, September of 2022, when this report could have been prepared. If he knew, put it this way, if the results were the fraudulent narrative they wanted to push, they would have had a report out immediately. And when the report didn't go their way, because the truth was not their way, they dragged it out and then tried to bury it. And then they desperately hoped that a Democrat would never become the attorney general there. And then, by the way, they fought and continue to fight to this day, these MAGA Republican election deniers, to try to claim that Chris Mays wasn't elected appropriately and that there was election fraud and Chris May, and there was a conspiracy and that's how Chris Mays was elected, even though the courts rejected that. Should he be disbarred, Popak? The land of John McCain. What has happened in Arizona? Oh, how, how the Republican Party has fallen in Arizona. And and by the way, back to your constant refrain on the Midas uh, Brothers uh, pod. Elections have consequences. And this is why you and I and on, and on your podcast, we talked about why it's so important to get people like, um, you know, the former astronaut. What's his name that became the senator in Arizona? That guy um, elected. Because, you know, they they hoped, as you just pointed out, that this stuff would get buried and we would never learn. History would never learn on the disbarment thing. Yeah. I mean, look, states like Georgia, which we'll talk about soon and Arizona do have statutes um, where it's a crime to make a false swearing where you go on a show like Bannon and say, well, we all know that there was, you know, you know, those Korean ballots with bamboo on them, which, by the way, the. Uh, they actually looked at in this special investigative unit that issued the report, and they said there was like one person who reported that, and then she she said never mind. It was based on there was no evidence of this, but they but that narrative of a hundred thousand ballots being brought in from Korea with bamboo on them, that was promoted by cyber ninjas. You know, it just it it consumed so much oxygen for so much time that you and I had to like like a whack a mole had to hit it hit it down, and rather than talk about other things. But I think that's a false swearing. I think that is a violation of he either doesn't commission the report and then buries it, you know, and he doesn't have to bury anything. And so there's no crime. Or if he commissions the report, but for the reasons that you've outlined to feather his own nest, to promote his own political ambitions, to go on to go on because he wants to win the Senate and bury bad facts that aren't in his favor. That sounds like it's violated at least two to four different rules of professional responsibility as a lawyer, as the chief legal officer of the
ready, somebody's going to file a bar complaint against that guy, and we're up and running. And I would hope that in Arizona they take something like that seriously. I was shocked, just to bring it kind of around, 